Welcome. It's good to see you here this morning. Glad that you're here. I, uh, I usually start my sermons with some kind of a story or a bad joke. I'm not going to start my sermon that way today. In fact, I want to start with an uh, announcement, and it is a very important announcement for this family, for the Bay Area family, and it's an announcement that's a little bit bittersweet. Uh, for several years, Jan Smith has been heading up our children's ministry. I know Jan comes to second service, so she's not here this morning. But Jan has put in a tremendous amount of effort. You have no idea the work that goes behind that kind of effort. And Jan has been so faithful and efficient and effective in that ministry for so long. And she's done such a great job. We talked last week about how important our children are, and how important our children are in the kingdom. And Jan has such a heart for kids. Uh, the bitter part of the announcement is that a few weeks ago, Jan came to leadership and said it was time for her to step sideways, that she was ready to give that up. And uh, very reluctantly, I think the eldership uh, accepted that resignation because she's done such a wonderful job. The sweet part of the announcement is that left us with a bit of a gap in our ministry. And after a lot of talking and prayer and uh, meetings, uh, that ministry position is going to be filled by Angie Brunson. So we're excited about that. You're here. you got to stand up. If you don't know, this is Angie. Thanks. Thanks for saying yes. Angie is awesome. Uh, she teaches at uh, uh, Foundation Christian, teaches elementary school. Uh, because of that commitment, she is going to go ahead and finish out the year there, be working here part-time. By the time summer rolls around, she'll be transitioning into full-time uh, head of the children's ministry. And we're really excited. We're, we're, we're moving from strength to strength here. Uh, Jan is passing off a, a program that's in such uh, great shape and so effective again. So we're, we're excited about that, and we'll, we will applaud that because well, we care about our kids. And we're making sure that our kids know Jesus. This morning, you are going to be hearing part one of a two-part sermon on community. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about what the Bible has to say about community. Next week, part two of this series is going to be what Bay Area is doing about community. Specifically, next week, we're going to be talking about small groups. Small groups is a part of our ministry system. We don't talk about it very often. It sort of flies under the radar a little bit, but it's a really important part of our ministries here. And maybe you've never considered being a part of a small group. Maybe you've never thought about hosting a small group. We're going to plant some seeds in the next couple weeks about that, and then uh, next week uh, talk uh, specifically about that, because I am convinced that community happens in circles, not rows. And to that point, I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you are perpetual first service people? How many of you, just, you're always at first service? Okay, just about everybody here. Uh, that makes sense. Um, let me ask you another question. Well, I mean, sometimes people go back and forth. Not very often, though. How many of you sit pretty much in the same place every week? Just about everybody. Okay, and I get that. I do, too, by the way. I sit right over here. That's my seat. You know, it's human nature, right? In fact, it feels a little bit weird when I'm not sitting over here. Every now and then, I'll sit on the wrong side. <laughs> and it doesn't feel right. You know, we're, 
we're, we're, habit, we're, we're creatures of habit. We, we sit in the same place. Now, I love the way that this auditorium is configured, you know, in kind of a horseshoe shape. And I know it was intentional, so that when we're worshiping, we can see each other. But still, if you're sitting down and you're looking up here at the stage, you can't get around the fact that you are staring at the back of the head of the person in front of you. And for some of you, since you sit in the same place all the time, what that means is you've been staring at the back of the same head for maybe years, week after week, month after month, year after year, you've been staring at the back of the same head. Now, imagine if that's all you ever saw of that person. Imagine if you never had a conversation with that person, never saw him smile, never saw him cry, never learned about their struggles or their victories. If you just came in every week and sat down and, and stared at the back of their head and that's all you ever did. Now you want to turn around right now, don't you? You want to turn around and see who's staring at the back of your head, but you can't. Because you're too busy staring at the back of someone else's head. But we all know that's not how church was supposed to function. And when I say church, I don't mean what happens in this building for an hour or two or you know, once a week. I'm talking about the life that we live together and the life that we share together. I'm talking about this community of believers that we are blessed to be a part of. You know, 30 years ago, if we were having this discussion, the word we would use would have been fellowship. That's kind of the old school church word. But now the buzzword is community. And everybody talks about community, and everybody's blogging about community. But God understood the importance of community long before it kind of became cool in Christian circles to talk about community. People have needed community since really the beginning of time. So this morning, we're going to take a look at some things that the Bible says about that, why it matters so much. And I want to begin by taking you to Philippians chapter 2. It's one of my favorite chapters, one of my favorite sections of, of Scripture. Philippians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church. He's writing to a bunch of Christians. He could be writing to us. He is writing to us. Here's what he says. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, which we do, we have encouragement from being united with Christ. If any comfort from His love, which we have. If any fellowship with the Spirit, which we enjoy. If any tenderness and compassion, which we're working on. If we have all those things, Paul says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul is talking about community. Paul is saying you need to have the same heart, the same spirit, the same purpose. You need to love each other. Paul is saying you need to pay attention to each other. So this morning... We're going to talk a little bit about community. Why fellowship, why doing life together matters so much. And we're going to move pretty quickly through some ideas and through some scriptures. And the first reason that we're going to talk about this is the fact that we were made for community. God hardwired us with a desire and a need to live in community. We were designed for it. 
You don't get three pages into the Bible before you read, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion who will help him. We were created to live life together. We were created to be involved in each other's life, to know that someone cares about me. Someone's thinking about me. To know that somebody will pick up the phone when I call. Or somebody will stop by the house if I don't call. That someone, someone knows that I matter to someone. That's indispensable for a healthy, stable life. You know, and we understand this really from, from the day we're born. You know, the first community that you were involved with was a community of two. Your mother gave birth to you. And then she proceeded to do everything for you. She fed you, she clothed you, she took care of you, she rocked you, and, and when you got fussy, she whispered into your ear the same thing that mothers have been whispering into fussy babies' ears since the beginning of time. Everything's okay. Is everything okay? I look at the world around me and I you know everything's not okay. What are you saying, Tim? My mother lied to me? No, not at all. What your mother was saying was, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm going to take care of you. Whatever you need, I'm going to provide. Everything's okay. And then your community gets a little bit bigger. You know, it extends into your family and then school and then your workplace and your social circles, your church family. But no matter how old we get, no matter how large our community becomes, we never leave, we never forfeit the need to be involved in each other's lives. To have someone tell us, I'm with you. I care about you. To have someone tell us, everything's going to be okay. And that's why the, the number one promise made by God as far as the times that it was made was, I'm with you. That's why Jesus last thing he said to his disciples, I'm with you to the end of the age. We were created for community. Second reason why this is so important, we grow in community. We think sometimes that we can grow in isolation, that we can separate ourselves and, and still grow, but it's not the case. Paul, writing to Ephesians, again, he's writing to, he's writing to Christians. He says, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, and notice Paul doesn't say, from him every individual grows. And he doesn't say, from him each person matures. Paul says, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, the whole body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Growth requires community. See, I can deceive myself into thinking, I'm being pretty good at my growth pattern here. I'm being pretty good at you know, this desire to be Christ-like. When I'm by myself, I can kind of delude myself into thinking, I'm growing. I think I'm doing pretty good. When I'm by myself, I can read passages like this, one of my favorites, and it's in 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. 
This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for us. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. Ooh, that's a whole lot of love. I read that when I'm all alone, and I say, ooh, I can get behind that. I'll sing that song because I love love. And I'm a loving guy. And I'm all about love. And then I get around real people. <laughs> and maybe I'm not quite as loving as I thought I was because real people sometimes are hard to love. You know, they can be difficult and it can be a little bit scary. When I'm all by myself, I, I can delude myself and think, I'm growing. I'm growing in my love. But I've got to be in community to really grow. I've got to be in community to find out the truth about myself, to, to open up some of those blind spots. Again, I've got to be in community to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be taught and admonished, and maybe straightened out a little bit from time to time. There's this great misconception that we can grow all by ourselves, but we can't. We just, we just can't. There's way too many one another passages in Scripture for us to think that we can fulfill those things on our own. Because we're the one, but we need another to fulfill those. We need to be in each other's lives. We grow in community. Here's another thing we do in community. We find acceptance in community. This is so important. Paul writes in Romans chapter 15, again, he's writing to Christians, brothers and sisters, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. I am convinced that 90% of the problems and the struggles and the drama that we experience in church would be eliminated if we would obey this commandment. If we would accept one another, and then Paul really raises the bar as Christ accepted you. How did Christ accept you? Did he ask what race you were? Did he ask if you were rich or poor? Did he ask if you were educated or a dropout? Did he ask if, if, um, if you were beautiful or not so beautiful? If you were married or single or divorced? Did he wait until you were ready? till you were good enough, till you were righteous enough, till you were holy enough? No. Jesus is really, his only question is, do you want my love? You know, when you boil it right down, that's Jesus' question. Do you want my love? And when we talk to people, or at work or school, or when people walk in the doors here, that really, that should be our question to them. Do you want the love of Jesus? Because that's what this community has to offer. That's what we have to offer is the love of Jesus. You know, the world says that there are levels of acceptance. God hates that. God hates that. God hates when we put beautiful people on top and the not so beautiful people down below. 
And God hates when we put the educated people up on top and the not-so-educated people below. And God hates when I put people who look like me and, and talk like me and think like me and dress like me up above and you know, everybody else is not like me down below. That is not the beauty of heaven. That's the strategy of hell. And Jesus went to the cross to defeat that strategy. Galatians chapter 3. Paul, again, he's writing to Christians. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, Paul's teaching is really clear here. He says if you have been baptized into Christ, if you have been clothed in Christ, you belong. You fit. You are accepted. And what that means is if you're an old guy and you see some young person walking around and they've got tattoos all over them and you know, their face looks like they fell face first into a tackle box and their clothes don't fit quite right, if they're in Christ, you love them. And if you're a young guy and you see some old people kind of tottering around with gray hair and hearing aids and they're technologically impaired, you love them. And if you don't know whether you're young or old, you're old. <laughs> just, I'm just telling you, if you're not sure, you're old. But we are accepted in community. And by the way, I'll say this, if you're in Christ and you're here and you feel like you are not accepted, I wish you would let us know. I wish you'd let me know because we want to do something about that. We'll address that. Because we want to accept one another as Christ accepted us. Why? For the glory of God. Because again, when the church is firing on all cylinders, it makes God look good. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. We find acceptance in community. Next, we serve in community. Romans chapter 12, as God's messenger, I give each of you this morning, be honest in your estimate of yourselves, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of his one body, and each of us has different work to do. And since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. God has made us to work together. Every successful community is really built on mutual servanthood. You think about a marriage, which is just a community of two. What if one person in that community, one person in that marriage, did all the work? What if one person did all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the shopping, all the errands, did everything? That would be, you know, some of you guys are thinking that would be awesome. And some of you women are thinking that would be typical. But those of you with great marriages, you're thinking, that would be so sad. That would be so sad if one person was doing all the work. Not only would it be unfair, but it would be detrimental to, to the community, to the marriage. 
Not only could you not do all the things you could do working together, but, but there'd be tension within that marriage, tension within that community. God's plan for His church is to have every part of the body working together, serving together with the gifts and the blessings that He's given us. Not only does it make us more effective as members of the kingdom, but it draws us closer together. When we serve together, when we work together, we grow together. Here's another thing that we do in community. We heal in community. This is so important. James says in James chapter 5, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayers of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We heal in community. We don't heal in isolation. And this is where this idea of community gets way past just a bunch of bodies being in the same room. Because now you're talking about a vulnerability. And now you're talking about being courageous and opening up and really sharing your life with other people. But again, I'm convinced when a church is sitting on all cylinders, it's a healing place. Whether it's a hurt, whether it's an attitude, relationship, maybe it's a, a sin that just wounded your heart and can't seem to get past, you need to be healed. When we are known and when we're loved, we can be healed. Jeremiah said, Heal me, O Lord, and I'll be healed. Save me, and I'll be saved, for you are the one I praise. This community of believers has got to be a healing place. We have, we have to have the kind of attitudes and the kind of atmosphere where people are hurting feel like they could be healed. Where people who are broken are drawn are directed towards Jesus, the great physician. Heal me, O Lord, and I'll be healed. Save me and I'll be saved. For you are the one I praise. And then one last point. We're made for community. We grow in community. We find acceptance. We serve. We heal. We also die in community. And some of you younger might be thinking, ooh, that's kind of a morbid thought. But you know, the older I get, this is such a comforting truth. Paul says in Romans, For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. I have seen people who have passed away surrounded by a tremendous family, physical, spiritual, and oh, the comfort and the encouragement and the peace that that brings. I've seen people who have passed away completely alone. You know, David wrote, you know, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In Christ, we're never alone. Not in life, not in death. In the church, in the body, we're never alone. Not in life, not in death. Romans 8 tells us why. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
God's love is unchanging. And when you need the love of God the most, you are never disappointed. And so many times I have seen God's church respond in just that way. And it's so encouraging. And it's such a blessing. Now I mentioned at the beginning of this lesson that, that mankind's need for community hasn't changed in the last uh, few centuries. But I think one thing is changing. I think we're becoming more isolated. Now, as our technology improves and we have so much information at our fingertips and we have, you know, we can get in touch with people in, in, in nanoseconds and the population is exploding and our space is shrinking, I think we're more and more isolated. Twenty years ago, 1985, a survey was done. In that survey, one in ten responded, ten percent responded, that they had no one that they could talk to about important things in their lives. One out of ten people said, I have no one in my life that I can talk to about important things. Three years ago, that number jumped to 25%. One in four people responded that they had no one in their lives that they could talk to about important things. Now, if that's you, you're in the right place. Because this is a community, a community built on the love of Christ. You know, I'm a pretty simple guy, and I have pretty simple thoughts, and I want to share with you one last simple thought, but I think it's a good one. Whatever is good for your soul, do that. Whatever it is that's good for your soul, whatever it is that brings you closer to the heart of Jesus, do that. And living in community is just good for your soul. To have people that you're accountable with and to, to have people that care about you, to have people that you'll open up with and, and that you care about. It's, it's just good for your soul. Working together with the talents that God's given us for the glory of God. Now, let me be a little bit practical so you understand what I'm saying. One thing I'm saying is, as a preacher, you need to be here. Of course, you all are here, so you can tell everyone else they needed to be here, but you need to be here. You know, when, when opportunities are presented to, to worship God, to encourage each other, you need to take advantage of that. You need to be here. You need to be part of the community. I quote an old friend, you're living beneath your privilege when you're not. And you know what? You're causing me to live beneath my privilege as well. Because I'm not getting the blessing of our fellowship. You need to come here with an expectation of growth. An expectation of being transformed by the Word of God and the love of Jesus. You need to come here with an expectation of putting your arm around somebody and giving them a hug and, and letting them know that they're accepted. With the expectation of letting someone know how much you care, that, that this is a healing place, that they belong. We were created for community. We need each other. Most of all, we need Jesus. Those things that we talked about, those are all those blessings are found in Christ. And maybe this morning you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I have been isolated for too long. Well, that's not a very friendly place, and I don't have any real friends, but maybe, maybe if you're honest with yourself, you haven't really opened up either. You haven't let anybody in. Maybe you're ready to 
take advantage of what the family of God offers again, or maybe for the first time. Or maybe you're in a place in your life where you've never really put Christ on and you've never been clothed in Christ. All those blessings of being in Christ. We'd sure like to have that happen today as well. Maybe you're in a place in your life where you say, that's, that's what I long for. That's what I want. I want the love of Jesus. To repent of your sins. To confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. To be buried in baptism with Jesus. We'd love to help you with that today as well. As a family, as a body, as a, as a community. If there's anything we can help you with, there's going to be some people here at the front. Come down and let us know. Let's stand and sing.